Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Oh, what's up, Atlanta? That's right. It is time for the latest edition of The Other Side of the Glass. Hanging out with you for just about an hour, taking you up until 5.30 p.m. That's when... Mike Conti and Jason Longshore come your way then for some Atlanta United soccer. And if you guys out there know the meme that I'm about to describe, you'll really appreciate what what I'm about to say. So if you guys are familiar with the meme of Zach Galifianakis from Hangover fame, and he has a million different math symbols running across the screen, and he's looking cross-eyed at a pie chart symbol, and multiplication tables and division tables. If you know the meme I'm talking about, go to Mike Conti's Twitter page, and he did some serious homework looking at all the machinations of how Atlanta United could be seeded, playoff matchups, everything there. Some really, really interesting stuff. I was looking at it, and I was like, whoa. Mike Conti is a man that is good with numbers. So go to his Twitter page and check it out if you have not seen it and you are a five-stripe fan. We just got done. Speaking of Mike Conti, his Penn State Nittany Lions fall to Ohio State again. I believe I heard the seventh consecutive loss for the Nittany Lions against the Buckeyes. And uh, listen, we knew how important this game was because the loser is not technically eliminated from the college football playoff, but the road to get there now for Penn State is going to be borderline impossible. And Drew Aller picked the worst day of the year to turn back into a pumpkin. He did not play well. The Penn State offense did not play well. And uh, kudos to Ohio State. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be a top. I don't know. There's a lot of quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. So I'm going to say conservatively a top five pick in the draft, but he could wind up being a top three pick in the draft after all said and done. He had, I think, 11 catches for 150 yards and a touchdown. He is an absolute stud. And credit to the Ohio State defense. They clamped down when they needed to. They allowed a late touchdown, but then they recovered the onside kick, and that was that was all she wrote. So that was a big game in college football today. We will tackle a couple of the others as we move through what will be a very fast-moving hour with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Alabama, Tennessee, we know UGA has the off week against Florida, and they're going to need it because they got to now come up with an entirely different game plan without Brock Bowers. And also, real quick, so here's the game plan. Going to take a break in about a minute. We'll come back, and then we're going to talk some Falcons because I have a question for you at 404-726-0929. 
the magic number that I was told for this week is 21. I'll explain what that means when we get back from commercial break. Real quick before we hit it, last night, listen, these LCSs have been really entertaining. I know it's painful to watch because the Phillies are in there and they took care of the Braves, but two good games last night. Jose Altuve, I don't know how this guy does it. All five foot five of them hits a walk-off home run. Wasn't a walk-off because they're obviously in Texas, but essentially it was a walk-off home run. 5-4, and then the Diamondbacks even things up against those Phillies at 2-2, and they will play game five tonight. All right, we'll take a quick break. That was a look at some of your headlines in an abbreviated version. When we come back, like I said, 21 is the magic number, and I'm not sure if they can hit it. I'll explain when we get back. Sports Radio, 929 The Game, Odyssey app. Man, Tennessee just dropped a golden opportunity. They had a chance to go up 17-0 on Alabama at the end of the fourth quarter. Receiver for Tennessee just just went right through the wickets, man. Oh, that was tough to watch. Ball was, it wasn't perfectly thrown by Milrow, but it was... It was about as on the money as you're going to get for a receiver to be able to make that catch. If they did that and they went up 17-0, ooh, but they had to settle for the field goal. It's now 13-0 volunteers as they play Alabama in what should be a fun game. I'll keep you updated on that one throughout my time with you here. Again, Chris Thomas on the other side of the glass hanging out with you until 5.30. Mike Conti and Jason Longshore come your way then for the Atlanta United pregame show. All right, so 21 is the number. Talking turtle, what are you talking about, 21? Well, as I was doing my research for the show and for Dukes and Bell during the week to talk about the Falcons and the Bucks, I stumbled across an article in The Athletic where they make their weekly predictions on all of the games in the NFL. And for the Falcons and the Bucks, the analysis was first to 21 points is your winner. So I said, hmm. That seems oddly specific and oddly low. Now, I know the Falcons' offense has had their struggles, and Baker Mayfield and the Bucs got dominated last week by Detroit. So, all right, maybe 21. And then I went back and I got a harsh reminder staring me in the face as I went back and I looked at the Atlanta Falcons' game scores from this season. They've played... Four home games at Mercedes-Benz Stadium and one that was technically a game against the Jaguars, but that was, of course, in London. So in their two games away from Mercedes-Benz Stadium this season, the Falcons have scored a combined 13 points. Whoa, that is not good. And so first to 21 now all of a sudden starts to make a little bit more sense. Compile that with the Falcons defense playing the way that they have and the Bucks defense also being pretty darn good. Now I'm starting to see pick up what they're putting down. So that's my question right now is as I sit here and think less than a day before they take the field, is this the week that Ritter breaks through on the road? Is this the week that Ritter turns around his poor play after what was his worst start of his career from an interception game management standpoint? 
And is this the week that the Falcons assert their dominance in the division? Because if you beat the Bucs, guess what place you're going to be in? That's right. First place. So that's what's on the line on Sunday. So what's the strategy here, right, for the Falcons? Because I'm not entirely sure if they're going to be able to get the running game back online. And that ultimately should be the goal long term. That should be the goal. Because the last couple of weeks, go and look at Bijan's stats. They have not been what they were the first couple of games throughout the season. I don't think he's come close to 100 yards rushing. So how do you do that? Obviously, you need to open up the passing game down the field. But here's the problem. Tampa has a good defensive line. And if Vita Vea plays, he's playing like an all-pro nose tackle this year. So it's going to be really hard for Dahlman and for Lindstrom and for Bergeron to move that mountain of a man and to create running lanes in between the tackles. And that's what the Falcons have not been able to do on offense the past couple of weeks. Go back and look at their tape. They're doing a lot of outside stuff, sweeps, tosses. They're trying to do a couple of end arounds. And that's not what their offense is predicated on. It's predicated on using the zone read and the inside zone to then set up the outside run and the down the field passes. So their offensive identity has been stripped a little bit the past couple of weeks, and I'm not entirely sure they're going to be able to get it back versus Tampa. So once again, that lends itself to the article that said 21 points is the magic number. So here's my question to you, 404-726-0929, 404-726-0929. Do you believe that Desmond Ritter can bounce back and the offense can bounce back and put up 21 points on a good Buccaneers defense. Do you believe that this is the week that Ritter took everything that was thrown his way after that awful loss? Arthur Smith came on Dukes and Bell and was very candid about owning up to the mistakes and what the game plan needs to be moving forward to get back on track. So, put your money where your mouth is. 404-726-0929. Do you believe that this offense gets back on track tomorrow and can put up 21 points. If 21 is going to be the magic number, do you believe that the offense is capable of doing that? I think they can, but again, I don't think it's going to be in the conventional way that we think we're going to need to see for the majority of the rest of the season for this offense to get back on track. I don't think you're going to be able to just say Bijan and Tyler Algier just run right up the middle, and then we can set up you know, screens and deep passes down the field. I just don't think they're going to be able to do that against a Bucks, you know, front and their secondary that, despite losing a few key members, is still pretty strong. I mean, it's not as good as the team that won the Super Bowl, obviously, but they're still pretty good. And I don't think it's going to be another cakewalk for this Falcons team to just run all up and down the field in Tampa. I think they're going to be able to handle their business. I also think that the Falcons' defensive line is going to be able to handle their business against what is a pretty inept running game for the Bucs. The Bucs do not exactly have, uh, you know, Emmett Smith and Marshall Falk back there running the ball. Leonard Fournette is gone, and they just don't really have the horses anymore, and they have a lot of uh, injuries to the offensive line as well. So I think this game is going to be pretty evenly matched. The more I look at it, the more I tend to agree with that article that said that 21 points is the magic number. Because for me... These two defenses, I think, are going to do their job. So if Bajan can run for 
I don't know, can you give me 70, 75 yards and then maybe another 30 or 40 through the air? Can you give me, you know, Drake London for six, seven catches for maybe 90 yards and a touchdown? I think you could do that. I don't think Drake London's going to have the game that he did last week because I just don't think he's going to be there offensively for the Falcons. I think they're going to have to really work, and I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. You guys know what the over-under is for this game? We talked about it on Dukes and Mill yesterday. It's 37. Like, that's about as low as you're going to see for an NFL game. So that tells you everything you need to know right there. All right, 404-726-0929. We got Joe Patrick coming up in about 10 minutes, so we'll squeeze in a call or two before then. 404-726-0929. We got Weston in Atlanta. Weston, you're in the game. Winston, Winston, well, I appreciate you taking my call. What's up, man? Um, man, I I just got to be honest, man. It's, it's Arthur Smith. When you when you look at you know Tennessee, he had Tannehill. Then he comes to Atlanta, he goes to Mariota. Mariota. Now he chooses Ritter. One of the most important positions in the game. I feel like he has dropped the ball with his decision and choosing who should lead his franchise at the quarterback position. And I believe. You guys have done a great job of hyping him up and giving him a lot of credit. When in actual, in all actuality, what has he actually done? Let's be honest. Derrick Henry led the NFL um, in rushing, but he also led the NFL in yards after contact. Meaning, a lot of the plays he was getting, he was getting touched more than likely in the backfield or in the box before he even broke a run. So. I mean, without Derrick Henry, what is Arthur Smith really doing? What has what he really done as a play caller to get so much respect? Uh, Winston, and- I understand what you're saying. Hang tight, I'll let you finish. But here's, here's the problem. I agree with some of what you're saying, not all of it. I think you're being a little bit too critical. I think Arthur Smith has shown in some of the wins that he's had as a Falcon coach to be innovative offensively, especially before this year when the weapons were nowhere near what they are right now. But, but here's the thing, Winston. We're here, right? Like so. Yes, right. We're right. here regardless. Whether Arthur Smith right, is is the second coming of Nick Saban or he's you know going to be one of the worst coaches in NFL history, we're here. We have him. We got to win a game right. on Sunday. So, do you believe that after everything that they've learned, that they'll be able to do that? Well, I mean, you play in Tampa Bay. Let's. I mean, let's just be honest. That they're not a good team. And NFC NFC South is is right now is terrible. True. Let's just be honest. I I just don't trust Arthur Smith. I don't I don't really I really don't believe he is the genius that y'all have hyped him up to be. And yes, last year y'all was they, the Falcons were not good last year. They made some plays. He put them in some quasi good positions. But let's just, let's be honest. He had a veteran quarterback who did play as well as he possibly could at certain times. But it was nothing in those games that you could say, oh oh my God, the offense was just so great that once we bring in different type of players, you're going to be struggling to get to 21 points like y'all are this year. So, to me, it boils down to the one who is putting the players in position to be the best, and I don't think Arthur Smith is excelling at that. All right, Winston, thank you for the phone call, man. No, I totally understand what you're saying, and I agree to a certain extent because so much of this, like you said, is riding on the quarterback, and frankly, he's been hampered by his quarterback play from – the end of Matt Ryan, who was nowhere near what he was in his prime, he was still decent, but obviously not the MVP player he was five years earlier. Then you had Marcus Mariota, a.k.a. as John Fricky likes to say, the noodle arm quitter, who was just 
not good. And then you have Desmond Ritter, who's shown flashes but has been inconsistent at best. So you haven't had – or Arthur Smith hasn't had a signal caller for a prolonged stretch of games that has been in the top half of the NFL. So give him a quarterback – like imagine if a Kirk Cousins was on the team for the Falcons. They would be, in my opinion – vying for the number one or the number two seed because everything else around the team has been so good. So while I agree with you to a certain extent, this offense has not maximized its potential whatsoever. I think that's partly to blame for Arthur Smith, but mostly to blame for the lack of quarterback play. All right, one more quickly before we go to break. Blake is out in Powder Springs. Blake, you're in the game. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? What's up, Blake? Not much. Uh, just came on. Wanted to give a shout-out to... Ryan Nielsen, I feel like this defense is the only thing that's kept us from being somewhat competitive this year. This past Sunday was all too much of like what I see of Atlanta Falcons football. Um, and really not that upset at Desmond Ritter. Coach Smith, you got to be a whole lot better, man. Uh, you look like absolutely lost down there on the sidelines in the fourth quarter, especially in situational red zone movements. Uh, poor Desmond didn't really have too much of a good setup to be successful the other day, even though our defense gave us the ball four extra times after the 12-minute mark in the fourth quarter. Shout-out Ryan Nielsen. Arthur Smith, please just get comfortable or give it to somebody else, man, because this team is capable of doing something. And guess what? You got a good kicker, so 12 points in the fourth quarter would have done it the other day just to get us the dub. We didn't have to even score a touchdown. That's all I got. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Blake. Yeah, so it doesn't sound like Blake thinks they're going to score 21 points tomorrow at all. Uh, Listen, again, the offense is predicated on one thing, and that is the quarterback's ability to operate it. So if you don't have a quarterback that's able to operate the offense – Nothing else is going to work as well as it should. You'll have glimpses here and there. Bijan will make a spectacular play. Drake will make a one-handed catch over somebody. Kyle Pitts will do what he does. But overall, on a down-in, down-out basis, it's not going to be where it needs to be. Arthur Smith is obviously taking a lot of criticism because a lot of the blame does go on his shoulders for last week. But one game is not a representative sample size of his entire career in Atlanta. So I'm still riding with him for now. But you can't have many more games like last week. Then then I think some of those criticisms that you guys are levying now will be a little bit more fair. All right, coming up, Joe Patrick. He's got all the latest on the Falcons and the Bucks. We'll pick his brain next on Sports Radio 99 The Game and on the Odyssey app. Back with you here on Sports Radio 99 The Game. Chris Thomas hanging out with you till 5.30. Atlanta United pregame comes your way then. We're keeping the Atlanta Falcons conversation rolling as we head out to the WadeFord.com hotline. Welcome in our buddy Joe Patrick, who I know is very happy today. About a half hour ago, a big sigh of relief. Joe, how we doing? Yeah, I'm doing good, Chris. I feel exhausted after the Ohio State-Penn State game. Uh, there was also a big UFC card, which just wrapped up. Uh, it's been it's been a, it's been a, a uh, an A plus sports day so far, and we still got Tennessee here beating Alabama. So it's there's just Something's happening. And then, of course, Atlanta United coming up later. So, a lot going on. Yeah, and then tomorrow, obviously, no rest for the Wicked as an all-important divisional matchup for our Falcons. All right, Joe, let me ask you this because we were just discussing this on the show and I took some calls on it. I was doing some uh, research for the game, and uh, I saw an article that said the the key to this game is first to 21 points wins because if you look at the Falcons on the road, they can't score, and the Bucks haven't been able to score the last couple of weeks. What do you make of that? First to 21 points is your winner. Yeah, I mean, that that kind of 
feels right to me. I mean, I, I don't know if it's going to be 21, but it certainly seems like one of those games where you just, at least from a Falcons perspective, I, I think the goal for the team overall is just like, be sound. Don't give the game away. We've seen this team go on the road and, you know, have tons of turnovers. Obviously that came up and bit them last week as well, even though that game was at home. But I think what this team will be focused on is just not giving it away. And typically when you go into a game like that, you're probably not going to light up the scoreboard. And I think that this team has a lot of confidence in its defense, the way that they performed so far this season that they're going to be able to hold a, a, a Baker Mayfield led offense that doesn't really have a great running game, that they're going to be able to hold an offense like that to under 21 points. So I think that's generally about right. I certainly think that that's the way I'm looking at it. And I think that, you know, it will be a step forward for Desmond Ritter more than anybody if they can go down on the road, collect a win, not turn the ball over. And no matter how the score turns out at the end, if you do all those things, then you're going to be, you know, coming home happy. So obviously a tough week for both the coach and the quarterback after what was a disastrous performance versus Washington. How was the vibe at Flowery Branch this week? How did they respond? You know, I thought that the vibe was actually um, quite positive. I, I think that it's one of those things that I think a lot of fans won't quite understand. But, you, you know, so here's, the, here, 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 here's what's going on, Chris. I think that the team was actually generally – encouraged by what they saw against Washington. Now the team is also extremely frustrated with how that game went down because it was a game where, because they liked what they saw, like they, they felt like they played well enough to win and they gave it away. They, they, they gave it away in the most embarrassing way possible, particular, particularly for a coaching staff, just in, again, all those operational issues that they have that have been well-documented <laughs> on this station for uh, the last week. Uh, but I think that, Long term, the coaches see that stuff that they like as a positive going forward for them, frankly, going into this game against Tampa Bay. And so I think that they're encouraged by the way the passing game is developing. And I have to agree with them. I mean, I think that despite the fact that you did have these turnovers, um, some of them were kind of fluky. Some of them were, you know, you never know. I don't want to pin it all on Desmond Ritter, but I just generally think that this team was able to move the ball up and down the field in ways that we have not seen in the first four games of the season in particular, even though you won a couple of those games against green Bay and Carolina, they still weren't like moving the ball kind of as easily as they really were in those last two games, obviously against the Texans and then even in the loss against the commander. So I think that there, there is a lot of optimism within the team. And I, it just sounds weird to say that. And I feel like I need to explain it all like that because it was such an ugly loss and a really disappointing and deflating one to happen last week at home. Um, but Hey, I think, you, you, you know, I think all that bad kind of feeling goes away if you can get this win. Cause then you take control of the NFC South, you know, you put yourself there and then you also kind of also slay this like psychological dragon that you have of not being able to win away from Mercedes Benz stadium, which this team has not done since week three of last year. It's been over a calendar year since the team's won on the road. Yeah, and the difficult task for me, Joe, is going to be establishing the run once again as the identity of the team because I know Vita Vey is a little banged up, but even if he doesn't go, that defensive front for the Bucks is still very strong. So I don't oh, yeah. know if this is going to be the week to get Bajan back over 100 yards rushing and Algier, you know, 70-75 and a touchdown. I think they're going to have to be creative once again to get, to get in the end zone. Yeah, no, I think you're totally right, Chris. I mean, I think that – what this team is kind of – what is ailing this offense actually is not as much Desmond Ritter as we'd like to think, and it. it's more 
of this running game. And, and it's because of the lack of the ability to run, which is why Ritter is ending up having to throw the ball, you know, 45 times a game or whatever it's been these, these last two weeks. I mean, he's dropped back and thrown it quite a bit, a lot more than he ever has in his Falcons career. Um, but it's because you're not able to get this running game going. And I have to think that Arthur Smith is going to be able to, you know, get them going eventually. I, will, will it happen this week? I don't know. But, you know, he really is – I mean, if there's one kind of unique characteristic about Arthur Smith, it is an ability to scheme up a running game. And this offensive line is a dynamic one that you know, they like – they can move. Like, it, it's not a big kind of road grader style of offensive line personnel-wise that this team has. These guys like to get kind of east and west, create a lot of movement, and that, then that ends up creating holes for the backs. Um, but they haven't been able to really do that as effectively this year. And I, I don't, I'm not smart enough to be able to pinpoint exactly as to why, but I think that that's definitely something, you know, that these guys feel like they have to get going if they want to be at their best, which is, you know, to, to, to keep control of games. And if they are able to do that, they're going to find themselves far, not nearly as often playing in situations like they have been, uh, especially against Washington where they're down trying to come back from behind. Talking all things Falcons with our buddy Joe Patrick here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. All right, so I went and also looked ahead at uh, Mike Evans' stats against the Falcons. And oh, gosh. Wow. I mean, he has, <laughs> I think he has 10 touchdowns and like 1,300 yards and 16 games played against the Falcons. It's The numbers are out of this world. So what do the Falcons do on defense to stop him? Um... I don't know what you got, Chris. <laughs> you pray, right. you you, uh, you you just. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm kind of joking here. Obviously, it's it's just a tough te- test against Mike Evans, and any. I, I don't know why he performs so much better against the Falcons than than some other teams. But let's be honest. I mean, the guy is going to be a, a major factor for every team that goes up against the Buccaneers. Of how do you you know limit this guy because he creates so many mismatches for opposing cornerbacks, especially guys, you know, we see these kind of defensive backs getting smaller and lighter to try to keep up with some of these speedy guys coming into the league. And he is just kind of a a very different kind of receiver, kind of like what, you know, the Falcons have in their receiving core, especially with a guy like Drake London. But uh, it's just just tough. I, I do think that the Falcons have some corners that, are on the more physical side with Jeff Okuda and, and A.J. Terrell. I think that those guys uh, can give him a little bit better test. But, of course, A.J. Terrell is one who's gotten burned by Mike Evans quite a bit. So maybe you do try to match up Jeff Okuda a little bit more, who probably is a little bit better right on the line of scrimmage. And we see Ryan Nielsen is not afraid to use his corners just very aggressively, kind of you know going into combat with these wide receivers right from the line of scrimmage. And so I think that they're just going to have to try to harass him. And, and you hope that, you know, with a, a veteran safety over the top of, of these, these corners like Jesse Bates, that you get some kind of decent coverage so you don't at least get the top blown off of you. But I think that um, it's going to help the fact that Tampa Bay just does not really have an effective running game. And, and since Nate Lambin is coming into this defense, we've really seen the Falcons team not really struggling to, to stop the run. And so hopefully that makes them a little bit more one-dimensional and hopefully that helps you keep track of Mike Evans because, man, I've seen that guy burn us way too many times. Yeah, he's made a career out of it, honestly. So, ba- so Baker Mayfield, his stats aren't incredible if you look at them, but when you look at some of the advanced metrics, he's actually playing really, really well. He has an interception rate of 1.9 and a sack rate of 3%, which are like in the top, two or three in the league for the position. So what do you think the game plan is to contain him? 
Yeah, I mean, I think that the difference in Baker Mayfield this year is just exactly what you just described there. It's He's playing a very different style game. I think when people think of Baker Mayfield a lot, you think of him kind of dropping back and rolling out and creating time for himself before he launches it downfield. And that's really not been the kind of game that he's been playing at Tampa. Um, he's been playing a much more kind of um, – I don't know the word for it, but he's just – kind of staying within himself, staying within the offense. They're doing some more RPO actions, which I think are helping him just make easy reads. And, you know, if they're able to have success with that, then it's going to be a long day for the Falcons. But the the fortunate thing, I think, with this defense is that I, I think that it is uh, much better equipped to deal with those styles of offenses. I think that um, it's more I worry about the Falcons defense. Where I do worry about them is kind of with some of the, the deeper stuff down the field, which – um, fortunately, they haven't you know, been exploited too much yet, but I even think Sam Howell had some more opportunities um, to, to hurt the Falcons than he ended up connecting with. But, um, I, you know, I think that it's going to you, – you got to try to find ways to get Baker Mayfield off rhythm, like out of structure, and make him try to improvise. So that's typically in his career when, when he's made those mistakes is when he's trying to play that hero ball like he was able to do really effectively when he was in college. So if the Falcons can do that, I think they'll be in good shape. All right, Joe, last one, gut check time. What's your prediction for tomorrow? So I think the Falcons are going to surprise people, and I do think that they're going to win this game really closely. I I think that um, they feel like they've got a point to prove. Like I said, I think that they're confident going into this game. I think that they feel like they can have some success against this team. And uh, if I had to put a score prediction on it, I might say, uh, you know, I'll use that 23. I'll say 23 to 21. I think they'll just get right over that number. You know what the over-under is for this game, Joe? 30, I have no idea. What is it? 37. Wow, that is low. So which there was that implied, like 30, 20 to 17. That's the implied score there? Something like that, which which wow. is why that magic number of 21 that we talked yeah. about earlier I think is so important. All right, Joe, appreciate yeah. it as always. Enjoy the rest of the college football and enjoy the game tomorrow, my friend. All right, thanks for having me on, Chris. All right, Joe Patrick there as we check in with him each and every Saturday that I am with you during Falcon season to get all the latest from Flowery Branch. All right, we know what time it is when we get back because we got to bring my man E, producer E extraordinaire Eric Slaughter, into the fold because it's not an addition of the other side of the glass without the producer six-pack. If it's your first time listening, I'll fill you in real quick. It's simple. Four sports questions of any kind could be Falcons, baseball, basketball, Hawks are getting started, Lenny United, every sport, every team on the table, and then two wild card questions could be, what did I have for breakfast? What was the last movie I watched? When did I have my first kiss? If you're interested, you got to come back and listen in five minutes because that may be on the table as he shakes his head at me and says, uh-uh, I'm not asking you that one today, big man. All right, well, we'll see what he has in store. Don't go anywhere. Another half hour with you here on Sports Radio 99 The Game. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. 
Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.